1: Slightly sexually compromising (laughs) people.
0: Divulging their deepest digital secrets. (laughs) What the hell is happening? (laughs) Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Make the same no brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com Code Program. This show contains strong
3: language, adult themes, and frank discussions about taking drugs.
0: This is a Dave Original Podcast.
3: Welcome back to the Late Night Mash Podcast. Yes, we've got one too. With Jeff Norcott and Olga Koch. This is the last episode of the series, so if this is your first time, go back to the start. rest of you, come in, sit down, well done, put your feet up. You've earned this. For the last time in this series, in this show, we take the biggest culture war battles and play them out in front of your very ears. We now join Olga and Jeff as they tackle one of the greatest issues of our time. So hello
1: and welcome to the last episode of Late Night Mash, the podcast, yes, we've got one too, with me, Jeff Norcott and Olga Koch.
4: It's been a ride.
1: Uh, yeah that's normally code for something else but we 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 can we can summarize at the end how we you know how we've changed as as people throughout this
4: we started off thinking what's left and right and now i can't tell what's up and down
1: yeah my my head is really spinning with some of these concepts <laughs> i don't know why they, you know when you start a sentence you don't even mean to sound sarcastic where does that come from and you go i meant that i meant that <laughs> but there's another part of me that didn't want me to mean it does that make sense Yes. Anyway, I, I've dated a,
4: British men before, Jeff.
1: Ah, uh, yes. I mean, a lot of my brain is thinking a thing and then go, wow, you think that thing. That is, that's my wheelhouse right there. That bit between the guy that thinks the thing and the guy that's surprised that he thinks the thing. That's it.
4: Do you feel like the, the man who's surprised is the stand up comedian? I don't know. I, I don't
1: know. I feel like the guy that thinks it is funnier. You know, the guy that, the guy that's surprised, I think, is more of a commentator, you know? This has, got, this has got deep in it for the, for the top of the show. Shit.
4: Well, you I, had something deep to say, didn't you, about paranoia?
1: Okay, so paranoia. I, I was thinking the other day, that, you know, do you ever think about, oh, I've got, I've got a meeting with that person, I've got to talk to that person, and you sort of think, oh, they might have a pop, you know, about this, or, and then I would say this, and then, or if they said that, well, I, I would say, well, absolutely, have you ever thought about this? And then you just go through the whole thing of a of row in your head. Do you, do you ever do this?
4: On occasion, yes. Uh,
1: on occasion, that's the key. I've started to realise that I do it a lot. I mean, first things first, haven't lost a, a head argument for 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> Unbroken record. You know, it takes a while sometimes. I mean, and the fact that I almost lose arguments in my own head is, it's not great. But, but yeah, you just go through like, you think it's, it's a sort of a mild persecution complex in there. And I mean, it's, it's the 90s catching up on me with, with anxiety and all this
4: stuff. I mean, my question is: How many episodes of this podcast have we had in your head?
1: We're on season five now, (laughs) and 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 I've been replaced. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even on the podcast. (laughs) Um, No, I I just—it's weird. I I sort of anticipate I'm going to be got at, and then I sort of go through all my. It's like a—it's just a form of anxiety, isn't it? Catastrophizing, Um, but then you spend a lot of time. Think about things that ultimately don't happen.
4: Well, my question is, do you think it's because professionally you're surrounded by people who top line politically don't agree with you and you're used to being constantly making your political views palatable in your professional circle?
1: There's probably an element of that. Yeah, I, I sort of have to, I sort of, I do try to be reasonable and I try, sort of try to, but when, when you feel in the minority with a point of view, like you have to work a bit harder sometimes. So there's that Um, and yeah, maybe like the period when I was on tour and Jeff had his own crowd showing up, it wasn't oh my God, it wasn't happening then.
4: Oh yeah, at your Edinburgh show, one of the most iconic like praise heckles that I've ever heard was the second you walked on stage, a man screamed, no lefty Tosh and it was amazing.
1: No lefty tosh. Even the fact they used the word tosh was a real <laughs> yeah. generation. I had
4: to ask my boyfriend what that meant. I had no idea what the word meant. I mean, it just um, showed
1: like like a, a, the, the conservative mindset that he could have said like the worst swear words there. And he was no lefty tosh and nonsense. Frankly,
3: you
1: So yeah, I think this has been. I think a lot of this series has been therapy for Jeff, hasn't it? Let's be honest.
4: Yeah, none of this Andy has not been recording. Andy's not real. Is Andy in the room with us right now, Jeff?
1: Fuck, it's like the end of Fight Club
4: <laughs>
1: So I'm Brad Pitt though I want to be Brad yes, Pitt Yes,
4: obviously In every movie you are Brad Pitt
1: Cool, because he's always eating And so am I You ever notice that? About Brad Pitt always eating in films Is he? It's something very carnal about the way he eats I get why he does it Like It's quite manly Like I've always noticed when Joey eats a lot in Friends You often hear a lot of women in the crowd cheering
4: That's really interesting You know, the second you said that I have had a very, very... Erotic image in my head, and that is a man eating an apple with a knife. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you slice it off and you eat it, off, eat the apple slice off the knife. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, but I always thought that that was like women would think that was lame.
4: Oh, I think that's so sexy. The second I imagined, it, I was yeah. like, "Woof!" Because he's not scared of the blade next to his mouth because he's man.
1: It's funny <laughs> that some of this old-fashioned masculinity stuff is like, like I've noticed how women respond to guys that can build shit. Now, like that yeah. is. Like, I was doing a stand-up show the other day and I was sort of, like, miming this guy who was quite attractive, the idea of him him kind of planing down the surface. And I looked at all the women in the room and I just saw them go into a different place in their mind. I was like, are you all getting off on the idea of him planing, like, a wood surface? (laughs) Hell yeah. Do you think there's a counter-revolution coming back where, where we sort of go, do you know what, there is some really boringly cliched stuff that we all like and... For for a lot of people, that's not going to change.
4: God, I'm about to say the most centrist thing in the world, but it's like stereotypes are there for a reason. So like there is some truth to them. Like, yes, there are people who are into it. Mm. It's just that there are other people who are not. So you can't just say everyone's into it, but it's reasonable yeah. to say it's hot when a person knows how to do a thing good.
1: Yes. Yeah, I, I had a mate once um, that when we were on holiday... He, he cracked open a coconut with one confident swipe of a machete. And I don't think oh. that anyone, male or female, there has ever forgot that. Also, he could wear flip-flops with confidence. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying to you, Olga?
4: You, I'm going to need to meet this friend.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, look, I will say this. Plenty of my female friends did meet him, and it didn't go well for them. He was a
4: heartbreaker.
1: <laughs>
3: Yeah, <laughs> He'd
1: meet them kind of uh, in spring, and then... No, 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 no. He'd sort of meet them in summer and then in winter he'd take them on an exotic foreign holiday, bring them fucking lychees in a beach hut. And then when spring came around, his eye would start to rove again so he'd always end his relationships in springtime. He was like a festival touring comic, you know? <laughs> 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 He was always working <laughs> up his next hour. And I realize uh, even now that, like I'm saying this, this is just add into the mystique of this mystery friend. So look, email in yeah, if you want his details. Yeah, he sounds everything
4: you're saying about I him. I know,
1: I know. Either the last email in, if you want his number, email in. And, and, and do please judge yourself harshly, having heard all that you've heard. If you still want his number, then, you know, whatever happens next is on you. I mentioned anxiety earlier, and I mentioned my fear that some of my anxiety perhaps comes from uh, my recreational habits of the 1990s, which sort of ties into our first question, which is, should we legalise drugs? And are we saying, Andy, all drugs here, or just the cool ones? Okay, all right, so should we start legalising drugs? Should we start the process of legalising drugs? I mean, where are you at on this, Olga? Are you a big druggie?
4: My question is: How do you think your anxiety today is connected to your drug use in the nineties? Is do you think it's like a chemical thing, or maybe, maybe? Okay. Maybe what kind so of drugs did you partake in in the nineties?
1: The usual clubbing sort of things:
4: cocaine, ecstasy, and pussy.
1: Yeah, boy, smash that! Um, <laughs> I um, I didn't actually. I was in a committed relationship at the time. For
4: fuck's sake! With the sesh.
1: <laughs> I think that there are strong right-wing arguments for legalising drugs, right? One is, you know, just get out of people's lives, you know, if people choose Small to... government
4: vibes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. People want to mess themselves up. They should be free to do it in any way that they choose, and particularly in an environment where they could just pick a different substance, right? So it seems a bit um, churlish. There's also the tax revenue. I often think that people get annoyed about those stoner kids sitting over the park making noise at 10 p.m. What if you knew that was contributing to a penny off the pound? That would be a nicer deal, wouldn't it? So it used to, when I was younger, it felt like a left-wing debate this, but now it feels like you could come at it from either side.
4: Yeah, I think we agree. I mean, maybe I, I'm i in there for different reasons and more for people's safety and people not overdosing or have, <laughs> buying mysterious substances off of strangers that are laced with rat poison and whatnot um, and not being persecuted and mm. feeding the prison industrial complex. There's many, many reasons uh, it's so why. so funny how, how
1: different reasons. Mum was like, <laughs> uh, I can pay less tax and people <laughs> should be able to fuck themselves up. <laughs> like, You're Yours like, people shouldn't die of drugs. I was like, yeah, yeah, there's that too. There is that too. <laughs> I mean, it's also, you know, talk about the war, war on drugs. If there was a war that had gone on this long and had so few victories, you would have to go, <laughs> I don't think we're going to win.
4: <laughs>
1: I, look, th- th- there's another dummy. This, this is what gives me caution for this, is this country. All right. I think, I think it's largely decriminalized in Lisbon, and apparently it's all very grown up. And in Holland, we all know they have all the fun stuff, and they seem to be able to control themselves by and large.
4: Cut to them creating a cartoon about a man with a very long penis. The drugs have safe. no effect.
1: Yeah, the drugs have <laughs> no effect. Yeah. Next up on public broadcasting, <laughs> multicolored <laughs> penis man.
2: Right.
1: Um, The point is, can Britain be trusted? That's the point. You think about the other countries where they go, yeah, people just, you know, they just were just like, there was no real change in consumption. Whereas I think with my mates, people I know, if you was out drinking, and you could just go and get a re-up of cocaine anytime you wanted, if we just use the evidence of the Euro 2021 final as a as a kind of uh,
4: a case study
1: yeah like what happened that day is it part of what I love about being british with you know we are can be session monsters though so I do remember your point about every country thinking that that's really stayed with me it's so true Everyone country deep down wants to think they're the biggest alcoholics which is weird but i do i do wonder this country one of the biggest cocaine consumers in europe if not the biggest without any legal side so you have to wonder what that becomes if it's made legal
4: but you're okay with alcohol being legal and alcohol is like more addictive than weed let's say In my understanding more more addictive than some hallucinogenic drugs as well tobacco as well
1: and also like there is the top end of what can go wrong when you're like if you're stoned if it goes really wrong you just have to be alone with something like a glass of lemonade while you feel weird um with alcohol, you know what I mean? You could lose your job, uh, steal a police car, you know, like the, the, the top end of both those things. I mean, I know it's a really, it's almost like a very six-form argument, you know, when people make the argument about alcohol, but you really wouldn't legalize it right now if it, if it was a new thing and you just saw the effects on people.
4: Yes, but I think the, the alcohol argument to me just demonstrates how, like, hypocritical any argument against drugs is.
1: Um. Just if you can hear um, a slight vibrating noise in the background, that's not me. I'm not that old. It's um, it's a washing machine in its spin cycle.
4: And Jeff knows what the spin cycle is because he shares his housework because he's a modern man.
1: I'll have a word with the missus when she gets home. Go, to, you know, come on, babe. You knew our two podcasts today. Can we? Can we just uh, let's communicate. <laughs>
4: Look, doing housework while your husband is working is one thing. Doing housework and working around your husband recording podcasts is another.
1: Do you know what's funny about podcasts, right? Because even if, say, this podcast was, like, extremely lucrative, it's still a podcast and there's still something very hard. When I say to my missus, like, "Uh, babe, I'm going upstairs to do my podcast, it does sound (laughs) like I'm going to practice my DJing. Like, it's got no status. (laughs)
4: Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, there's something really, like, keep out. Mum!
3: Well, but this is my like, whole career, so... that's.
4: Uh,
1: <laughs> I suppose if you like, if corporations get involved, I mean, then there's other problems, aren't there? You know, once there's like the cynicism of corporations, what they'll do, they'll just reclassify what a gram is.
4: <laughs> yeah i think i guess we're we're in legalizing drugs we're getting rid of the issues that are there hopefully fingers mm-hmm. crossed like mass incarceration yeah. and um overdoses etc or the way that overdose doses are currently dealt with but then we're opening in a new can of mm-hmm. worms with every we're essentially extending all the issues that are currently around big pharma to more drugs
1: that would be my concern
4: like all the stuff that's happened with oxycontin happening with weed yeah and, and they could and just stuff.
1: make it more addictive you know they could find a pretext for why that's good because it increases the experience you know the user the end user experience they'd find some fucking parlant-
4: starting prescribing opium a la freud and yeah
1: stuff. yeah and then they just go yeah cocktails they'd start you know there'd be a whole like They'd, they'd know that they would have like one year where it's like the Wild West, and they would make shit loads of money on some really naughty gear. We and, and I think that as well. You're, you're right. Like you know, there are problems where a lot of the people that sell drugs at the the end point are young kids, disadvantaged kids on bikes, <laughs> and so we're killing small business, is what I'm hearing. Well, yeah, so entrepreneurial drug dealing, so unbelievably like pure capitalism. Like it's Pure and applied. And the government, of course, have had their recent thing of middle-class drug users because they feel that this will play out well in the red wall. It's quite funny, really, because the the law really can't distinguish between what class you are when when applying the law. You just can't do it. But we're going to go after middle-class drug users. How? How do you do that? You just fucking raids on dinner parties? There's a home secretary there in a dawn raid. Somewhere in Shoreditch, some pop-up fucking tapas restaurant. <laughs> but it plays out well, doesn't it? Because I suppose that there is that hypocrisy on there. There's a lot of people there, particularly in big city centres, that would probably identify as you know being worried about disadvantage. But when it comes to getting their weekend, Charlie, they will suspend all of Should that. we get a bag? Yeah. Should we get a bag? Does it matter that it was a 14-year-old that brought it to us on a BMX? No. thing. I just, I, I just realistically, where Britain is, who we are, how we behave... I don't know, I don't know if we could, I don't know if we could, I think we'd find, I think the, the public are way ahead of both the main parties on this, but I just think cocaine, I think there was, this country have got a weird relationship with cocaine and alcohol, like it's a, uh, this sort of fuel each other. Does it create a new substance when you have cocaine and alcohol, coca
4: Andy, what is it called when you mix alcohol and cocaine? A top
3: night out. <laughs> a fucking legendary Saturday night. <laughs> a Wednesday? A Wednesday? Okay. Jeff pretty much just nailed it. I believe it's coca-ethylene. All right. Which is what happens when you take coke and alcohol. It mixes in the stomach. If you have enough of it, it, it can sometimes instantly kill you. But you've got to have a lot. Sounds like a challenge. But it can definitely cause minor strokes, which is the main worry about it. So careful, Jeff.
4: Minor Strokes is everyone other than Julian Casablanca's. Am I right?
1: <laughs> Again, I'm I'm off the reference. Who does Julian...
4: Jeff, there's a band called The Strokes and the lead singer is called uh, Julian Casablanca. So I said Minor Strokes is everyone other than I Julian I mean, I was up
1: to that there is a band called The Strokes. I remember. I also should, for the purposes of this podcast, I, I have um, associated myself with certain lifestyle choices. And, and you know, I, I assert, especially if my son's listening, a degree of artistic merit, license. Merit? license so counter to what the producer has just said 45 I can't be doing without missing a night's sleep come on okay philosophically I think that we should legalize uh, certainly cannabis maybe certain amphetamines I just think that once you get to cocaine and upwards uh, you have to acknowledge what this country is like (laughs) And I try. I'm very patriotic. And I try to be positive about my people. I, I don't know if it's right for us. Is that's my where I'm at. I think.
4: Would you say at the very least decriminalize everything? Oh,
1: decriminalize cannabis immediately. Uh, it's just it is so weird. I mean, certainly anyone that's been at Bristol would have to say that that there's either there's a different law in Bristol,
3: but n- no one seems to give a fuck there. Um, so that's kind of happened. So why not formalize it? Well, I think I think the question was. From Olga was like, would you decrim, coke and above, rather than legalise them, so you couldn't just knit to a corner shop.
1: Yeah, I think decriminalise, decriminalise all, but yeah, it's so moral because I say, or well, decriminalise drugs at a lower level when it's clearly for personal use, but then that means that the people that are supplying it might be younger and in a worse position than the people doing it, but they're the ones that can get done for having it, if you know what I mean. Whereas, I just, so I think what we've sort of realised is that. So we have a view on the legalization of drugs. We also have hit an age where some of that stuff sounds kind of scary.
4: I think all drugs should be legalized. So I think it's right for kids not to go to jail. And I also think it's... Sorry, this this is a little bit of a different point, but please bear with me. I'll be very quick. I think with the current legal scenario where alcohol is completely legal and all these other drugs are completely not legal, it delineates the drugs between legal and illegal, when in reality, the delineation should be addictive and not addictive. So I think alcohol should be taken more seriously because it is highly addictive. So I think we need to base policies more about the addictive nature of the drug versus whether it's currently legal or not. But yeah, does that make sense? Do you think that that's a better distinction? I think that's
1: an important distinction. I also think like there's addictive, non-addictive. It's also what do people do when they're really fucked up? Oh yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. And I think that I think coke and alcohol probably score pretty badly on both.
4: If if uh, taking the drug makes you want to start an app, yeah, that should be bad. Steal a
1: police car, bad.
4: And those those are the two. The the lefty evil is a new app, and the righty evil is anything bad done to the (laughs) police.
2: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Olga's boyfriend slash her Gen Z man on the ground. Should people get aesthetic plastic surgery if they want to or if their girlfriend wants them to? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> wow so that was quite a question there from your your boyfriend should people be able to get aesthetic plastic surgery are you are you trying to pressure your your boyfriend into getting plastic surgery because he looks he looks great i don't understand could look better though right i guess
4: always could look better yeah sometimes they look good and you want to keep it that way
1: you want to get him used to it you want to get him used to it. I'd started dating you because you're younger looking, and it's kind of got to stay. Yeah, now
4: way. it's time for preventative Botox. Twenty five <laughs> forever. It is. I mean,
1: Botox often gets. You know, I've got some friends that dispute the connection of Botox and plastic surgery. They're not. It's not plastic surgery to have Botox, but some of the logic that people use about Botox always makes me laugh. Like you can hear the sales pitch coming through. Where they say it's like your brain, your your face actually forgets where the wrinkles. Yeah, because your face has a fucking memory, doesn't it? It sits there all day, just going, "Oh, oh, I've got wrinkles here." Was, that's not how the body. I hate when people anthropomorphize that. It actually learns to not have wrinkles. Now it doesn't.
4: <laughs> it's a scientific process. they over-intellectualized Botox. I love that.
1: Yeah, and 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 I I get it. It's, you know, there's a lot of people that do it now, and and, and it's one of those things that I. <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. I I find it... People that had Botox just look like people that have had Botox. If it actually made you look younger, that's the thing is I don't think it often delivers on what it purports to do, right?
4: Right. Or if you do know know they have it, that just means it's done poorly because a lot of the time, if it's done well, you just don't know it's happened.
1: Yeah, see, that's what people say, but then that makes it impossible to critique it (laughs) in a way.
4: I think it's one of those things where I... I get very... It's a very, very murky subject just because there's so many contradictions within it. And it's like, I Mm. don't think the leap between getting false eyelashes and getting Botox is that much of a leap. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're doing your makeup, if you're dyeing your hair, part of it...
1: No, I agree. I agree. Right from that first time, back in caveman times, when, um, I guess, like... Some girl, she pricked her finger and then she took a bit of blood and then she sort of put it across her lips, maybe a little bit on the cheeks. She, she unleashed a sort of arms race that would always be with us. So self-improvement, beautification. I bet, all the, I bet all the other women in the tribe just looked at her and went, for fuck's sake, why did you do that?
4: She's you, been eating someone's pussy, this. <laughs> do you know where you've
1: started, Janine. <laughs> <laughs> this is now an arms race that will never end we've all got to do this forever and yes men will do some of it but the, you know every once in a while someone will do an article saying oh men are just as vain now but actually in the meantime women will have even more pressure to look good so the disparity sort of remains I mean there's another element to this right which is like the the, the technology of makeup has changed so much in my life What what girls are able to achieve in terms of how they look is, is beyond plastic surgery in some cases? Contouring, I mean, what the fuck?
4: It's it's, su- it's such it's such a mind fuck because I fundamentally always want to come back to, don't tell people what to do with their own bodies. But mm. then you have people who have anorexia, and you're like, oh, I want to help them. So there there is obviously things that people do to their bodies because of outer. Pressure and you want to for them to make these decisions because they want to do those things out independent of the pressure. But it's impossible to know what it's like to live outside of the pressure because you have subliminal advertising at you twenty four seven.
1: Yeah, I mean that's where it's tricky because I I don't know. And also I'll be different from subsequent generations of men who I've noticed are more into the grooming. You know, spend more time on on their image. I I just I probably have some sort of coding in me that says yeah. You're all right, Jeff. You know, and that's a very lucky thing to have. I don't have. I can see that my hairline is is receding. Maybe that's the one thing where I think it'd be nice to kind of pull that down a bit again. And but then everyone go, Jeff, you, you you weren't you weren't strong enough to just deal with a receding hairline. That to me, if I'm being totally honest, that's what I'm advertising to the world is I wasn't willing to just accept what DNA and nature dealt me. I had to intervene.
4: But then we don't have that type of attitude towards teeth, do we? I don't know. It's such a
1: like. No, it's a very fair point.
4: There's so many. There's so many completely arbitrary lines that we draw that make absolutely no sense.
1: I mean, the only thing with teeth is you do need them to eat and chew stuff, I suppose. Yeah, but like we
4: we don't judge people who make the cosmetic decision to get nicer looking teeth. We also don't judge people who dye their hair. We judge men who dye their hair, but we don't judge women who dye their hair. All of it makes absolutely no sense. Like, there is no, no logic to it.
1: And, and also the culture of women's hair dyeing is now so embedded where you just realize that I don't think I know any women that have their natural hair color beyond a certain age. Like, none. And then they also say stuff like, I'm dyeing it back to my natural color. And those are just those sentences that make a geezer like me go, what? <laughs> I don't even <laughs> get it. I don't get it, man. You're dyeing it back to its natural color. I don't understand.
4: But it's also no it's so ingrained now and it's been around for such a long time. No one's gonna accuse you of being a bad feminist for dyeing your hair.
1: Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's now out of the game. That like the fact that women dye their hair for their whole lives, that's it's not even up for discussion anymore. Maybe that's what happened
4: with plastic surgery. I don't know. And that's a little depressing, isn't it? Even in, in our recent memory, Botox became more more acceptable than it was twenty years ago.
1: I, I suppose that the the, the the, the sort of moral argument is is that, that that your face it does capture it's your it's your only means really your main means of expressing itself to the world and if you were to lose that i just personally i think that i don't know if that trade-off is good enough to to look a bit younger but sort of lose a way of communicating how i felt that <laughs> feels like quite a big big trade-off but you know look i've got a great face so maybe i'm talking from face privilege you know,
4: you also need your eyebrows to do posters for your comedy shows. I need,
1: I need these. Yeah, How could you're you right. possibly
4: do a po- po- poster in which you're not raising <laughs> your one eyebrow inquisitively?
1: Yeah, quizzically. Yeah. There you ah,
4: there it is. There it is. You can't lose that. You're not Jeff Norcott without that eyebrow.
1: No, no. Imagine if I just brought the hairline a bit down a bit, and then the eyebrow could touch the the the, the hairline. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had a few pals that have, have had the hair thing done. Um I don't I just it's such an involved process I don't think me or my generation largely of blokes have any real sort of match experience for that level of self-sacrifice to look better like I won't even if I wear a suit like my wife really wants me to wear a suit for a wedding that goes with what
4: she's wearing if it's itchy I'm like I'm not wearing it I'm like a 8 year old boy no not wearing it What about going to the gym and getting the ripped, ripped, ripped look where it's past being healthy and into just being vain and defined and cut. And when you're like starving yourself just to have that definition. I honestly think that it's all part of the same world. No, no, I agree. And
1: also flattered that you had even put that question to me because I'm so <laughs> obviously, it's so obviously not relevant. I've, I've clearly taken I'm worried about decision. how
4: much time you're spending at the gym, Jeff.
1: Hey, you're not the only one. Sorry, you are the only one. It's the opposite. Um, <laughs> well, one of the things about gym culture is it's so obviously unsustainable, isn't it? It's like hyperactive GDP growth. You go, well, it just has to fall off at some point. And I just think with plastic surgery, I do have... And maybe it's an era you were brought up in, you know, because there was so much bad work done in the 80s, right? You just sort of turn on Wogan and you see that Burt Reynolds' face had fallen off. You go, fucking hell. That's not good. Um, But like you say, I don't know who's having it now.
4: But your argument against plastic surgery is stuff like, but I can tell when you have Botox or Burt Reynolds' face is really ugly. So it's not saying don't do it because fighting aging is a futile Mm. task or, uh, the standards of beauty you're reaching towards are bad. What you're saying is, Oh, it's not going to do the thing that you think it's going to do. If in a perfect world, the plastic surgery is achieving the goals that you wanted to achieve. That's when we should be asking, should we do it? Because makeup is doing what you're tending it to do or hair dye is doing what it's attending it to do. And so we're not questioning it. So is the reason why we're, dislike plastic surgery is because its effects aren't as intended
1: yes and obviously we haven't even mentioned boob jobs yet we haven't talked to me about boob jobs jeff <laughs> well it's funny thing that a lot of blokes you know because the age that i'm at and around a lot of my mate's wives are like I, i'd quite like you know to to sort of get them done that's always the phrase isn't it i like to get them done and the blokes are always initially like oh, no baby you don't but if you are gonna get them done let's make it worth it yeah that seems to be the way that the discussion generally goes and then, so they'll just say they want an uplift and the bloke will go, yeah, we go up a cup size, you know. So it's it's a negotiation. It's a negotiation. But I still think like at that age, you've got kids and stuff like that, you know, going under surgery to have nicer tits.
4: Full it, body anesthetic. To have nicer tits.
1: I can't I, – I, I, so I, I know this isn't my lived experience. I don't know what it's like to have like nice boobs that that go away and, and, and all of, you know, I don't know how that feels. But I, I do know that I, I think – you try and limit surgery. I will try and limit surgery in my life to stuff that helps me not die.
4: The argument about it being empowering is much easier made about any other body part other than boobs because boobs are so inherently like eroticized. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I It's harder of, I, to be like I'm doing this for me about boobs mm. than any other part of your body.
1: Yeah, I do. I do think that like when people that I'm doing this for me. Thing I go okay, you're gonna live in isolation for the rest of your life, and no one will ever look upon you again. Are you having a boob job? So no, probably not. So it probably is a bit for for other people. I don't I don't know. I don't know what women's relationships like with their boobs. When, you know, when they, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean the the the,
3: the dick. I mean could you have botox on your your balls like smooth out that I really fucking hope so. Just going to chuck in the words breast reduction on boob job as well cuz that's something we're talking about cuz people do that just to like make sure their back doesn't hurt so much as well as.
1: Oh, like... uh, that used to get always like before before like that before we really understood why that would happen that would always be, "Oh, sacrilege. Why would you ever do that?" And then you go. Well, she had she had back problems and that, like seriously in pain the whole time. Ah, oh, bloody shame, isn't it? Not for her. Not for her. I'm being feminist
3: now, and I. But I must admit, I was. I, once upon a time, I said stuff like that. I did. Holy shit, guys! Scrotox is a thing.
4: Yes, finally, <laughs> baby Sam. Scrotox is a thing. You can put Botox in your in your um, wrinkly balls.
3: This, a lot of
1: this will come down to how I like them too. Why am I, I love this, why are my testicles saggy? Well, because they're bits of skin that carry two small balls. I mean, I don't, how much do you need explained for you? Testicles sagging tips debunked.
4: Is equality all genders doing Botox or no genders doing Botox?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I often refer to it in my philosophical dealings as the equality of misery. Yeah, like we make boys really uptight about the way they look or we make everyone less uptight about the way they look.
4: But that's because corporations profit of creating insecurities in us. The amount of insecurities I've been planted, that have been planted in me by beauty companies are insane. I went to a place to get my mustache waxed, which is like... Okay, I guess I'm insecure about my upper lip hair. Sure. And the woman just looked at me and said, "Are we going to do the cheeks too?" I'm sorry. What? I didn't think that my peach fuzz was a was a basis for insecurity. The amount of insecurities that are planted in us is mm. fucking insane. Yeah, I'm not, I'm I used not, to have not, my I'm... eyebrows waxed. Why? Why? Why they're fine. I haven't waxed them in through years.
1: Well, I mean now, but this is some things do evolve back. The younger woman favors a stronger brow.
4: Then it comes back to how I I get annoyed by the word beautiful, because it's like we're now making beauty virtuous and moralistic, when in reality, beauty is purely aesthetic. So it's like being beautiful should be worth nothing. And instead, we're being like, everyone's beautiful. That beauty isn't a thing.
1: It will. I mean, the only thing I think about beauty is that for some whatever reason, female beauty has been aspirational for a long time it's been around a while isn't it like there's something and a lot of women would concur with the idea that they find as women aesthetically better looking and you think if something's been around that long maybe there just is something there the 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 kind of you know like a design classic maybe we mentioned this before but like you know like baked beans they just look great the design you go maybe women are just a better design and therefore The fact
4: that you say baked beans Baked beans are vile
1: sir. I didn't know Not the product And also It's just like the worst I was trying to allude to something higher And I used the cans Baby, of baked beans Baby you're so beans. beautiful
4: You're like a can of baked beans Timeless You could get away with that
1: <laughs> If you was from Glistening. like a A mining town in the US Baby you're so beautiful You look like a goddamn can of baked beans out there
4: I'm not denying aesthetics I'm not denying aesthetics. I'm not saying that like a beautiful woman isn't a beautiful woman. I also, about, what I'm denying is the assigning of moralistic value to beauty, the I idea do, that like, I hate that.
1: Here's an interesting thing: is that there was a lot of studies found recently that that um, ugly people were more likely to be found guilty of crimes and sentenced for longer, and this this prejudice. In the report I read, it was a while ago, so feel free to fact check, but was seemed to be bigger, bigger than race, like how if people liked your face.
4: Okay, Jeff, what I'm hearing is, is aesthetic elective plastic surgery allowed? Yes, for people awaiting trial.
1: Yes. If you really want, that is, don't get a good lawyer, get a good surgeon.
4: Thank you. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I fundamentally completely agree with you now. <laughs> Don't get
1: because that is that's what you want to be walking in there because like I mean fucking Ted Bundy I mean he, have you seen the footage of him and, and the judge go well you know kissing his ass in the trial go well Mr Bundy I'm I'm you, yeah, I'm yeah, but you do seem like a fine gentleman why he's got a nice face that's it maybe it's a leveller
4: do you do you see that I think there was an article about this called like some getting the Instagram face that like all plastic surgery isn't mm. necessarily making different people, plastic surgery is making everyone look the same
1: Mm. Yes, yeah Yeah, there is is a sort of a generic look, but then then again there's something democratic about that too, isn't it instead of having like this world where you get the absolute stunners like Angelina Jolie it's like everyone kind of has the same face and you just do your own twist it's
3: like like a twist on a classic, you know So do you think that the quest for true equality needs to end with plastic surgery, I guess is the question now, isn't it (sighs)
1: But then we, now we're into issues of access, financial yeah. access. It's all, it's all well and good talking, you know, if I'm trying to be more progressive these days, what if, what we need, plastic surgery in the community. Let's raise, let's level up people's Britain's looks.
4: Jeff wants a nose job on the NHS. You heard it here first.
1: Now I'm paranoid about my nose.
4: Because you're worth it.
1: Because, I mean, forehead surgery, yeah, absolutely. Let's lose a bit off the top, please. <laughs> I get so much shit. One thing as well about being a bloke that's funny is obviously you know I do I do you know with being a woman on television it's a, it's a different ball game. There's a different level of scrutiny and and criticism and stuff. But people just think because you're a bloke and if you're a blokey bloke, they just say the most brutal shit. But I get a lot of forehead stuff. Snipers' wet dream. Those kind of insults. <laughs> you know. I th- I think the credit to Bob Morton for for that. But
3: yeah, a lot of people use that line. So your argument is. We either have state assistance so people can get plastic surgery whenever they want, or we should ban it.
1: Yeah, I think anything in between is is un, is not uh, not progressive.
4: Oh, I don't. I genuinely, I feel, I I am so lost. <laughs> I, I'm so lost. Like I, th- I think that this is um, aptly the very last episode of the season because this is the one that I refuse to have an opinion on because I simply, I don't know. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is apt because Je- Jeff has come to an opinion so mad, I don't think Jeff believes it. And you have refused to make one.
4: <laughs> and also Jeff's opinion is the fact that it has to be provided by the government, which is an mm. argument that is towards big government, which is a little bit on the opposite uh, of what Jeff would think.
1: Yeah, I think it's like this is like a left wing argument from the year 2180.
4: <laughs> yeah. i'd say this is probably your most left wing when you are arguing for the government to have more involvement in people's lives whereas it's the most right wing i've been because i'm finding myself almost stopping people from doing what they just want to do
1: well i'll go i mean be honest when we started this you must have been apprehensive about working with uh, a gammon. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is: flag shagger, brick shitter, You know, Tory fascist. <laughs> you know, I mean, all of that stuff is is potentially tricky. Obviously, I am going in there working with. Well, what are the insults of, you, of your of your community, Olga? Oh what is
4: snowflake, cock, lib cock?
1: Woken Do you think Easter? I'm a snowflake lib cock? <laughs> No, no, I think you're far more. Far more complex than that, you know? Woke and woke Easter. And there's Easter. Always, there's, they always put Easter on, on the end. You aren't part of a brigade, though. That's what's interesting, because there's always been brigades, is not there? The PC the brigade. Woke brigade. For, the woke brigade. Do they have a brigade?
4: Yeah, the woke brigade.
1: But they, yeah. I wonder what their vehicle would be. Slow, I'd imagine, but <laughs> powered by uh, biofuels.
4: Electric.
1: There you go. Look, I did, I did a little woke slam at the end there, but you could tell my heart wasn't in it because, I just, you know, I say it, the culture war stuff. It's time in the post-Elizabethan era to start coming together again. That's what I think, I genuinely think. And, 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 and facing you down in no man's land on these wedge issues, I, just want to, I don't want to go back to war. I want to keep playing football.
4: And at the end of the day, whether you're on the left or on the right, we can all come together to dunk on polyamorous people.
3: Yeah, fuck. It's not a thing. Thanks so much for listening to this series of the Late Night MASH podcast. Yes, we've got one too. If you've enjoyed it, please tell your friends. All podcasts survive on people listening to them. And of course, there's always a TV show to watch if you haven't already. All episodes are now available to catch up with on UKTV Play, so check them out. And finally, the credits. This podcast is presented by Jeff Norcott and Olga Cock. The producer is Andy Goddard, and the executive producers for Zephyr are Peter Holmes, Ruth Phillips, and Chris Stott. The production manager is Charlotte Bracey. The production executive is Charlotte Hopkinson. Legal and business affairs are Vicky Forrest and David Christian. And the director of operations is Deborah Blackinson. The executive producers for UKTV were Ian Coyle and Mark Iden. podcast is based on The Late Night Mash, the TV show, the format of which was created by Zephyr Limited and The Daily Mash. I've been Andy Goddard, and thanks so much for listening.
0: Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to nose around a comedian's house, take their stuff, and see how much money you can make by selling it? No, that's a pretty niche thing, to be honest. Bit creepy, really. But that's the premise of Dave's brand new comedy podcast, Hard Sell, with me, Josh Jones. And me, Darren Harrier. We're going to travel the country, visiting the homes of different comedians, chatting about their spending habits before grabbing one of their favourite possessions and giving ourselves one week to try and sell it for charity. In a competition to see who can raise the most money. It's a right laugh as we get to meet amazing funny people like Keema Bob, Joel Domit, Ria Lina, Ivo Graham, Josh Pugh and lots more. But also sort of like an incredibly stressful cheese dream where we're trying to shift what are essentially stolen goods against the clock. (laughs) It's bonkers. Hard sell with Josh Jones. And Darren Harrier. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.